Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the No Lasting City podcast. Today, I want to do something that we have not done before on the podcast, but I hope to do every now and then, which is essentially a, a review of a what I think is a very, very important book. The book I want to talk about today is The Gospel Comes with the House Key, Practicing Radical Ordinary Hospitality in Our Post-Christian World. This was written by Rosaria Butterfield, published in 2018. I read this book when it was published. I thought it was very, very good. I was pastoring a church in Michigan at the time. I, I promoted the, the book to our church, and really ever since then, I have mentioned it uh, to Christians as a, a worthy read and an important read in our time. So as the title suggests, it, it is a book about hospitality, uh, specifically what Christian hospitality should look like. Now, I don't know what that, what that word hospitality makes you think about. She herself acknowledges that many people often have a wrong conception of that. She says that hospitality for many of us conjures up a scene of Victorian tea with crocheted dollies and fine china. Now, having read the book, I can assure you this is not what she's talking about. This book is not safe. It is gritty. It will challenge you, but it's it's very good, and I think it's incredibly important in our current cultural moment. Uh, I actually tried to get Rosaria uh, to Traverse City when I was pastoring there to to give a mini conference on this topic, and I was working with some other pastors to try to bring her up. This is a couple of years ago, and I remember having a conversation with uh, one of my pastor friends who had not read the book, didn't know much about Rosaria Butterfield, and uh, was interested at first, and then he said, well, wh what's the book about? And I said, well, the gospel comes with a house key. She would talk about hospitality, and he's like, uh, well, I think we're going to pass because our church, our, our vision and our mission is really focused on outreach and, and taking the gospel to the culture. And so hospitality is just not something that's part of our wheelhouse. And I, and I tried to tell him, look, man, no, you, you misunderstand. This is That's exactly what she's writing about. That's exactly what she's challenging Christians to do. Uh, but I think uh, he had this idea that she was going to come up and talk about how to have a nice dinner and where your fork and silverware needs to go or, or something like that. But that's surely not what the what the book is about. It's very much about being on mission and how hospitality is so important for us to, to do that uh, in the 21st century. So let's get to some of the content of the book. The way I'm going to go about doing this, I'm not going to go chapter by chapter through the book. I'm going to summarize what she says uh, by, by asking a couple questions. First of all, what is hospitality as she defines it? Secondly, why is it so important right now? Thirdly, what are the things that keeps us from living a life of hospitality? What keeps us from it? And then fourthly, what motivates us to the kind of hospitality she's talking about? So let's jump in. First of all, what is hospitality? What is biblical hospitality? She defines it this way. She says, radical, ordinary hospitality. And by the way, I love that she refers to it as that, that ordinary hospitality is now radical. I think she's right about that. Radical, ordinary hospitality. This is her definition, quote, using your Christian home in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God. It's using your Christian home in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God. It brings glory to God, serves others, 
and lives out the gospel in word and deed. So already, this is very important. She she defines hospitality really the way the Bible does as a love of strangers. She comes back to this again and again in the book, but hospitality, if all we're doing is opening our home to those people we already love and really like and want to be around, we're, we're falling short of biblical hospitality, which is a love of strangers, a, a willingness to treat the stranger and welcome the stranger uh, as we would welcome family and close friends. And, and so it's a way to use your home in a daily way that makes strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God. Uh, the purpose of hospitality is to build, focus, deepen, and strengthen the family of God, she says. And so one of the purposes of hospitality is, is with it, to build biblical community with other, with other Christians. Uh, but she also says it's also pointing others to a Bible-believing church. So there's a, a mission aspect to hospitality and being earthly and spiritual good to everyone we know. And so hospitality is also just a very practical way to love your neighbor and to be of earthly good to people around you. And I really, she really makes this point over and over again in the book, which I think is very helpful. Um, you know, hospitality, we often think of it as entertaining people, but she wants to reframe it, I think rightly, as a way we offer love and service to others. And she asks uh, some pointed questions throughout the book. You know, have you ever thought that you and your house and your home and your time are not your own, but rather God's ordained way to serve someone? Uh, she talks about the the loneliness that is ever present in our culture, and she says this is a this is a good quote. She says people will die of chronic loneliness sooner than they will of cat hair in the soup, um, and she she talks about that. Uh, people are depressed, people are anxious, and one of the ways we practically love you know the orphan, the widow is by inviting them into our home, by giving them a place to be, by letting them know that that they are loved and cared for. And they have a place in our home always. Uh, so that hospitality is an act of love and service, a way to love our neighbor who may be going through a very difficult time. Uh, some of the basics of hospitality, as she understands it, what does biblical hospitality, this radical, ordinary hospitality involve? Uh, a couple things she points out. First of all, radical, ordinary hospitality cares about the things that our neighbors care about. In other words, it begins when we proactively take an interest in those around us. Another uh, basic of hospitality is that it works from our strengths and interests. Uh, we invite others into what we do. Uh, thirdly, another basic of hospitality is it looks out for the old people. And again, as I mentioned, this is a point she comes back to again. Biblical hospitality is not directed only to people we want to be friends with. It is directed to all people, the old, the lonely, the children, uh, and we value uh, the, uh, their concerns. Uh, another basic of biblical hospitality is there's a willingness to relocate to neighborhoods hard hit by drugs, crime, and, and poverty. So that's what hospitality is. Now let's move to the second question. Why is it particularly important right now? And her title gives it away, doesn't it? The gospel comes with a house key. The gospel comes with a house key, uh, practicing hospitality in a post-Christian world. It's important right now because we're in a post-Christian world. And as uh, basically the thesis of the book in many ways is that in a post-Christian world where if you followed this podcast at all, uh, you know, I think she's right when she says that 
Uh, more and more people are more and more suspicious of Christianity, of the gospel, of, of Christians. Uh, there's less and less a chance that someone who is not raised in the church or has some sort of Christian foundation is going to decide to visit church uh, uh, on any given Sunday. And so her point is, the gospel must come with the house key. The, the, the new entryway to the church in a post-Christian world is is through our living rooms. It's through our homes. And, and we're not going to see people coming into the church unless they first uh, been in our home in a relational way. And that's the point. In a post-Christian world, evangelism and outreach by necessity must become much more relational. Uh, we don't share the same standards of objectivity that we once did as a culture. Uh, we don't share common worldview and assumptions anymore, and, and there's just more suspicion out there. And so uh, we need to be more relational in how we think about engaging our non-churched and de-churched neighbors. And so a couple of quotes from her along this line. She says, quote, practicing ordinary hospitality is your street credibility with your post-Christian neighbors. In post-Christian communities, your words can only be as strong as your relationships. Your best weapon is an open door, a set table, a fresh pot of coffee, and a box of Kleenex for the tears that spill. We live in a post-Christian world, she says, that is sick and tired from hearing from Christians. In other words, our neighbors don't want to be preached at. Uh, they're tired of hearing the gospel presentations. But, she says, who could argue with mercy-driven hospitality? What a potential witness Christians have untapped and right here at our fingertips. Uh, for Christians, she says, to maintain an authentic Christian witness to a world that mistrusts us, at the very least, we must be transparently hospitable. We must work hard to know who our neighbors are and how they struggle. Now, at this point, she she deals with a potential objection. I, I have no doubt she's probably had people ask her about this many times as she's taught on this. And that is this. How can I love my neighbor in this way without misleading him or her into thinking that I approve of everything she does? And so she recognizes that, there, that if we're living the kind of hospitality that she's advocating for, inviting strangers in, really, really being outward facing, then we're going to have people in our homes who just have very different beliefs, attitudes, practices, and how they engage the world, engage life. And, you know, are we, she, she, she's reckoning that some Christians are going to say, I can't do that. I'm not comfortable doing that because they may misconstrue my hospitality for uh, approval. And so she, she addresses this. And, and basically what she says is, look, nobody approves of everything that others do. So if the standard for having, showing hospitality and showing basic Christian love and, and um, uh, uh, care towards someone is, is based on approving everything they do, well, then you wouldn't even have your own family over for dinner, of course, right? You would, your own spouse probably wouldn't be welcome at your table. She doesn't say that. I'm saying that because it's just an unfair standard, right? Um, uh, nobody approves of everything someone else do. And, and uh, so it's not really a fair question. Uh, uh, and showing love in, uh, through hospitality does not imply I absolutely approve of everything you, you say and believe. It's just, it's just a, a Christian practice we show towards all people because that's what God has done for us. Uh, so we shouldn't, we shouldn't get those two things mixed, mixed up. And of course, 
the reality is if we're only willing to show hospitality to people who are like us, believe like us, think like us, live like us, well, then functionally, we pull ourselves completely out of the world and completely out of the culture. We have no opportunity to be salt and light, as Jesus said. Now, knowing a little bit of Butterfield's biography makes this point more powerful. I'll be very brief here, but but uh, this is the third book that uh, Rosaria has published. The first book I, I recommend to you um, is called The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. And it's really her story, her own autobiography of how she came to faith. Uh, she was uh, a lesbian college professor and a lot more there in her background who was extremely suspicious and antagonistic towards Christianity. And uh, anyway, uh, as that book relates, the way she, that God worked in her life to slowly bring her to faith was an invitation to dinner from a pastor and his wife. And over a period of years, she had dinner uh, with this pastor and his wife and slowly but surely was drawn into Christian community through it. And, and so th this, this Christian couple was willing to have her, a practicing lesbian professor, in their home over years, talking with her, loving her. And uh, so I, I think that's why she is so pointed on this. Uh, it, it's part of her own part of her own story, a part of her own narrative. Uh, if they had simply come at her saying, "Hey, come to my church on Sunday," she never would have shown up. Uh, it was hospitality that was key to that. So that's why it's important right now. Now, what keeps us from it? Uh, throughout the book, sprinkled throughout the book, she talks about several barriers to living hospitable lives in this way. Uh, I'll mention them briefly. Uh, one that she mentions is just simply, uh, we say, I'm not cut out for it, what she calls uh, a false sense of entitlement based on gifts and interests. And as for, so, for example, someone might say, well, I'm an introvert. I'm just not really the kind of person that could do this. And she just said, that's not true. Your personality type has nothing to do with offering hospitality to people. Uh Another barrier she mentions is what she calls counterfeit hospitality. And she says, we live in a world awash in counterfeit hospitality. And sometimes we get caught up in that. And, and what is that exactly? Well, uh, the, the, key, the, uh, the, the key mark of counterfeit hospitality is that it comes with strings. In other words, my hospitality to you, yes, I'm doing that, but whether it's spoken or unspoken, I'm, I'm actually looking to get something out of this myself. And so this is, this is a big one. Let me, let me say a little bit more about this. What she's saying is when we show hospitality because it's advantageous to us to do it, that's counterfeit. And the world is filled with this, of course, right? Uh, there's many motivations why we might show hospitality to others that really have nothing to do with them and everything to do with us. Maybe uh, they're very uh, well-known, popular people, and so having them in our home or uh, some extent in our life, uh, we want that because we want the social capital of being associated with them. Or maybe there's some financial benefits. Maybe we're showing hospitality so we can get a, a business deal closed or, or simply because we know that they live in a multi-million dollar house in Paradise Valley and uh, we're going to invite you over, but we really are hoping and looking for an invite back. And that's, that's the way the world works. That's not Christian hospitality. Christian hospitality comes without strings. And in the background to this point, uh, although I don't remember if she actually cites this, but it has to be 
Luke 14, where, where, where Jesus tell, tells his disciple these words, when you give a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your, your, your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And so Jesus gets how it works. In the ancient times, it was like this. Hospitality was a way you you socially moved up in the world, and that's counterfeit hospitality. Um, what's another barrier? She mentions the, the, the idols of achievement and acquisition. And, and basically, the, this point is, listen, if you love your stuff too much, you'll never show biblical hospitality because you're going to worry too much about your home getting trashed. Um, if, if the white carpet she says is an idol or the, or the new paint or the couch or your private liquor collection, uh, you, you won't be able to do this basic Christian practice because, uh, you, you've given into the idolatry of materialism and you love your stuff too much. And so she challenges us there. She also raises the practical concern. I don't have enough space. And she says, people that say this, we fear we have nothing to give. This is a false fear. Hospitality shares what there is, and that's all. It's not entertainment. It's not supposed to be. And uh, that, so that, that's uh, some of her list, not all of it. I'll add a couple of my own here as I've thought about this over the years. I think one, one of the, the biggest barriers to hospitality uh, for us is just the sacrifices that it entails. It does entail sacrifice, and we're not being honest about it if we don't acknowledge that. There are, there are uh, uh, financial sacrifices, as she just indicated. Um, you know, pre- hospitality will consume some of our resources. It will consume our food. It will possibly it will use our our, our new furniture up quicker, um, and it does challenge our attitude towards our stuff. Um, so that's one thing. It 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 consumes our our time, our money, our stuff. We also, and I think this might even be a bigger uh, barrier. I think biblical hospitality forces us to sacrifice in some ways our reputation. Um, all of us struggle with not wanting people to see us in our in our real state, if I can put it that way, in in our mess. And if we are to live out biblical hospitality. We have to be able to die the, to the desire to show others a perfect home with perfect people. Uh, when, we, when we have that overarching desire, hospitality becomes incredibly stressful. We probably all experience this because it, before someone comes to the house, it's got to be perfect. The kids have to be perfect. The house has to be perfect. And so there's all this cleaning that goes on. And, and all the while people are in our house, we're, we're anxious about what they're thinking and we're apologize, apologizing for everything not being perfect. And of course, if that's our experience of hospitality, no wonder we don't do it very often. There's no way we can sustain that uh, because uh, we're viewing it more as entertainment. And when the when hospitality is viewed as entertainment, as one Christian writer puts it, the house is never ready. And so we have to be willing to sacrifice our reputation to do this consistently. We have to be willing to host people and invite them into our lives as we are. A willingness to say, come in, and here we are. Uh, uh, we got nothing special for lunch. And, and in fact, we may need you to help make your own food. Welcome. And so we have to die to that. We also have to sacrifice some of our rights. I, I know having uh, you know, just talked about this with people over the years, 
one of the challenging things of hospitality is just feeling like it's not being reciprocated. You're giving, you're giving, you're opening your home, you're welcoming people. And it just doesn't seem like it it's coming back. Uh, it feels like it's not appreciated. It feels like people are taking advantage of it. And honestly, sometimes that's the case. And so to persevere in biblical hospitality, we have to sacrifice our rights and be willing to say, I'm not doing it for those reasons. And, and that is a challenge. That is a sacrifice. So in light of all these things, let's move to the last part of this. What possibly could motivate a life of radical, ordinary hospitality? And no surprise here, she takes us to the gospel. Uh, the gospel creates a hospitable community. The gospel creates a community that welcomes others in. And the way that the primary way we cultivate this practice in our life is to continually receive, believe, and rejoice in the gospel. The gospel in many ways is the story of God's hospitality to us. Uh, we have a hospitable God. Uh, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were strangers. We were outcasts. We who were far off through Christ, have been brought near. We have been welcomed back to the heavenly table uh, and, and at a great sacrifice to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was cut off from God's table so that we can be welcomed uh, forever. And we will be generous recipients of God's hospitality in the new heavens and the new earth for eternity. And so out of that, we as we receive and embrace that ourselves, uh, we are able then to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. Uh, we, we are able, going back to that Luke 14 passion, to, to welcome the poor and the lame and those who can't repay us because that is what God has done for us. We were the poor and the lame invited to that heavenly banquet who could never repay him. And so now we show hospitality simply as an extension and overflow of God's hospitality and as a way to uh, practically love others, to show the love of God to others, uh, which often opens up a way to share the love of God with others. So in conclusion, let me say this. I think this is a, a, a very important book, uh, even though it's now three and a half years old or so. Uh, uh, biblical hospitality is a way right now for Christians to be incredibly countercultural. If you think about it, the, the world in which we live is one where most people view their homes as their private retreat uh, that exists exclusively for our personal benefit and comfort. That's just how we view our home. It's our fortress to keep people out. And as Christians, we have such an opportunity to be so countercultural here as we use our stuff, our homes, open up our lives in a way that blesses other and builds up the kingdom of God. Um, of course, hospitality, as we've talked about, is also a way we can participate in missions without leaving our neighborhood. I, I gave a sermon to a, a local church in the Phoenix area a couple weeks ago, and I tried to make this point. Some of us may be called to go to, like, like the Apostle Paul, to distant lands and preach the gospel, and uh, we should pray for people who are raised up to do that. That's a great thing. But today, in 21st century America, the nations are all around us. We don't actually have to, to, to go to the nations. We, we may simply just need to be willing to cross the street and invite people into our home. As Jack Miller, uh, a PCA minister, uh, once said, 
uh, Christian homes are one of the most underutilized resources in the kingdom of God. And he, uh, the, the, this whole book is an encouragement to think differently about them. Well, there you have it. Uh, this is my brief review of The Gospel Comes with a House Key. I hope it was helpful and informative. I would encourage you, if you have the opportunity, to read the whole book. I, I didn't, there's a lot in there I didn't even touch. Uh, as I said, I didn't touch chapter by chapter, just tried to give you the big picture points. Um, uh, so if you can read it, I encourage you to do that. But let me leave you today with an encouragement from Hebrews 13, where the author says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of No Lasting City. I'll catch you again next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.